This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women in sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm your host here. And I've been sex addict and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. And I'm excited to have with me here Jackie Pack and John Taylor from the Thanks for Sharing podcast. Hello. We're excited today to make a new announcement. Uh, we've I have kind of talked about this on a few other episodes, but today's our official announcement day of a new venture that we're putting together called One Layer Deeper. And I'm excited about it because as we get into recovery, a lot of times we spend a lot of time. There's a lot of resources and we put a lot of time into those first little while, the first three months, first year or so of getting sober. And sobriety is our focus. And as we move past that of being our focus, there's a lot of other things that we need to work on in order to live the life that we want to be living. And those are, a lot of those things are that one layer deeper that we have to dig into, into recovery, in order to really move forward and create a life that we love living. And so uh, there's a lot of resources available for that piece of getting sober, but there's not a lot of resources available for that next piece of what do I do once, I'm get, once I am sober and I want to live a different life. Mm-hmm. And I know recently I was working with one of the clients that I do recovery coaching with, and she is venturing out back into dating. And uh, we've been talking about the different stages of relationships. We've been using uh, the Patrick Carnes work on the different stages of relationship mm-hmm. and talking about that, those kind of things. And we talked about a dating plan and we put together this, you know, this ideas of what is, what does a dating plan look like? And the, we talked a lot about it. And then she came back with her rough draft her first kind of draft. And I recognized that the whole thing was centered on sex. Mm. When I was going to have sex, when was sex appropriate? What was healthy sex going to look like? But the whole entire dating plan revolved around sex. And it was a great opportunity for us to have a discussion around, is sex really your purpose in getting back into a relationship? And I found that as I engaged in that kind of discussion with her, she didn't really know. You know, mm. like she had, had not had sex for a long time because she'd been, you know, really working on sobriety and that was working for her. Um, and so she was really excited to kind of get back into that, you know, aspect of things. But it was evident that she was still operating on the premise that sex was the biggest need of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so as we talked about that, she started to recognize that there were a lot of things about relationships that she just did not know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm excited to have Jackie and John here today because our first intensive that we're going to be doing for One Layer Deeper is about dating and recovery. Um, It's coming up in June. You can find all the information on the website, onelayerdeeper.com. But I wanted to ask you guys, you know, do you see that a lot with uh, sex addicts getting back into into dating, that Mm -hmm. sex is still kind of operating as their biggest need? Yeah, um, I've even... Even outside of dating, I see this kind of like it morphs from this like this is my most important secret need 
to this is my most important need, and I'm not going to be a jerk anymore to get it. But it's still like centered around like how I'm going to make sex happen and um, how I'm going to make it happen a certain way and with certain people, and um, still very much centered around making sex and orgasm happen. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and sometimes I'll find with clients that there's almost this fear, like you were saying, if they let go of that need, that somehow they're going to be celibate. Yeah. Right? Or that we're talking about a sexless life, which even is interesting because for, I think there's, you know, two ways it can go. I mean, one way it obviously goes is just avoiding, mm-hmm. right? And just really shutting that, sexual side of them completely off um and then the other way i think is just really they're still maybe they're less of a jerk but they're still this intense fear need to control like if i don't do something about that that's going to go horribly wrong and i'm not willing to let that right instead of just trusting that the process can unfold and happen um, you know, maybe with more awareness and some insight into that, but not a whole lot of control beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that idea. Like, I'm just not going to, it was a secret need that sex was my biggest need. And now it's not so secret. I'm just not going to be a jerk about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, for women, um, I think that translates into maybe, maybe they were a jerk about how they got it done. Right. But also that control aspect or that manipulation mm-hmm. aspect of I'm going to manipulate the relationship. Mm-hmm you know, using sex, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's still a power thing and still definitely something that they were manipulating and kind of a jerk about in a lot of ways. And and I think for many of them, they'll think that if if we're having good sex, um, then that's the hallmark of a good relationship. Mm. And and so sex is still really this defining, you know, I, I saw someplace once where it was talking about like, you know, if, that sex is an important part of the relationship, right? But in healthy relationships, it's just a part of the healthy relationship, you know? So if you saw it kind of in a pie chart, right, that it might have been one of the six pieces of the pie. Mm -hmm. When sex is going well, it's a sixth of the relationship that's going well. Um, But when sex is not going well, right, or there's a lot of fear around sex, it's like, you know, four of the six pieces now of the pie are really focused about sex. Mm-hmm. And I and I think sometimes for clients as they start to get back into dating, they're still, you know, sex is still six out of the, or four out of the six mm-hmm. is still being occupied in some way around sex. Well, so, so much of relationships is abstract and intangible. Mm-hmm. And we don't do a really good job um, I think as a society, as families, as even partners in relationship, helping each other hold the intangible parts. And so it's really easy to focus on sex. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's intense, if it's something that we look forward to, we make time for, like that feels like it aligns a lot of things in our relationship when in fact it may not be. But it's it's definitely something we know. We know how good it is or we know how bad it is or we know how present it is or how absent it is. Right. Yeah, it's something you can measure, yeah. right? Yes. Whereas a lot of those other pieces, we, we can't measure. There's no metrics around right. that. Or at least it's a little more abstract in the measurement, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. so it's one of those things that I think in this intensive will get people more comfortable measuring those things, you know, like mm-hmm. the relational aspect, like the maybe the spiritual connection, the emotional connection. All of those things can be measured, but it's done in a much more abstract and it can feel somewhat vague. 
Yeah. Right. Because we're, we're trusting our gut or we're, we are getting a sense of, right. Those are the words that we use <laughs> in talking about that. Uh-huh. Not like, you know, this happened, this happened and I orgasmed. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Right. And it worked. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in talking about like dating, getting back into dating, there's two, at least, you know, in my experience, there's a couple of, of definite fears that people have. Okay. And one is around that avoidance piece, right? Mm-hmm. So like they've been, uh, they've been sober for a while and it's working, right? Mm-hmm. Their life is changing. They're not in so much um, chaos. The unmanageability has gone down. They've learned to a, a new set of coping skills for emotions and different things mm-hmm. like that. And so they're just afraid to re-engage mm-hmm. because they don't want to destabilize their life. They don't want to, you know, make a misstep, right? Yeah. And, and and end up in a relationship having sex where they don't want to right. again, right? right? And so it's just much easier to just avoid that right. piece, right? Yeah. So how how do we learn to move past that avoidance piece? So there's a story that I will often, well, there's two stories that I will tell clients, right? And, and I think both are relevant and, and we see them happening in um, recovery. So um, when I was, it was probably about 18 years ago, um, and my husband and I had gone, uh, my sister was living in Arizona, um, my, and anyway, several of my sis- siblings and their spouses, we met up and we were hiking the Grand Canyon, right? And... I don't remember, it was, we were kind of headed back to the car. It was kind of the end of the day. We're coming downhill. It wasn't like it was this hard part of the hike. I don't really remember anything other than I'm following my brother-in-law, right? Just kind of traipsing along, da-da-da, doing my thing. And the next thing you know, I am literally falling down the side of the mountain. And I, I don't know what happened other than I'm walking. And the next thing you know, I am falling. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be on the evening news if I live <laughs> or die. I'm, you know, I'm going to, oh my gosh, I, I had lied to my mom, right? Who was watching our children about where I was. So they're like, <laughs> uh, there goes that secret. <laughs> the last thing I told my mother was a lie. <laughs> right. And now she's going to find out from the news and they're going to have to helicopter in. Right. And I just, all these thoughts are going through my head as I'm falling and I'm just like, trying to grab anything. I eventually stopped, right, falling and landed. And, you know, apart from having some scratches and being very sore for several days, I was fine. But I probably fell about 15 to 20 feet, right? It was was pretty significant. My husband, of course, was freaking out. He was behind me. Mm -hmm. My brother-in-law just kept saying, "What, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. I was walking and then I was falling. I I don't know how that happened, right? So I'll say to clients, sometimes in our life, um, life gives us a free fall, right? We didn't see it coming, and we find ourselves in this free fall. And that's that's one one kind of experience, right? When all of a sudden life thrusts you into something and you're just like, oh my gosh, what just happened, right? I'm walking, now I'm falling. Most most of your listeners are going to recall some kind Mm -hmm. of life experience in which they felt that way. Now, the other one, I was invited, this was several years ago, I was invited to a professionals weekend down at the ranch in Nunnally, Tennessee. And um, as part of my experience there, um, I was on a old dam 
right, that was like, they said it was pre-Civil War. I think it was about 70 feet high, the dam was. And the first part of that, right, we had to get up to the lip at the top of that. And I I don't really like heights. Um, I kind of knew that about myself. That day I became keenly aware of that <laughs> about myself. I really don't like climbing ladders. Ladders were involved to, you know, it was like a two-part, you climb this ladder to get to this lip, then you were climbing this ladder. It was, right, pushing every button I had that day. Then you had to, like, shimmy out on the wall facing one way, right? We were all um, hooked in on harnesses and all that kind of stuff. But you kind of had to shimmy across the wall where Bobby was, right? And then and then you had to turn around, right? And, and the lip was literally, I mean, like maybe a th- the first third of my foot fit on it, right? So I'm 70 feet in the air shimmying across, and then I've got to turn, turn myself around. around, right? And then, you know, Bobby does his thing, and he's talking to us about what we're feeling and what color is it, right? And I'm like, why the hell does that matter? <laughs> why does it have a color? <laughs> I was not in my contained professional self. And then the, the key was, like, jump. Right, you're going to feel all of these things that you're feeling. You're gonna do some deep breathing to try to settle them, and then you're going to intentionally step off of this little lip and let yourself fall. And I was like, "What? <laughs> like, could you push me?" And he's like, "I'm not pushing. Like, you are going to intentionally do this, right?" And he had told us beforehand, for a lot of people, when they do that, their first instinct is to grab their harness, right? Which he's like, does nothing but give you an illusion of control, right? You think I have some control because I'm grabbing something. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's only to make you feel better. It literally does nothing. And so he was. He said to me, my challenge to you is jump, hands out, feet out, right? Like starfish position, just jump. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. And I did end up doing that, right? And I have it recorded. And my (laughs) kids and my spouse were like so impressed with me. I was so, I was, (laughs) nobody was more impressed than me though, right? But I think sometimes for some people who are avoidant, this is a really long story to get back to your question. Um, It's a good story though. Right? I, I think it's this, we are intentionally jumping into something that we know it maybe scares us, is going to rock recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. We, we got recovery to where it's working. We got recovery to where it's settled. And now we are intentionally moving in a direction that's going to shake all of that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Can you do it, right? Can you do it for an intentional reason? Right. Well, Can you do it with some purpose and meaning in mind? Well, and it's in relationships where historically it's been, I don't have boundaries and I lose myself or I'm way too boundary and I can't Mm -hmm. connect with you. Um, And you move into a relationship that kind of has those expectations again. And I think you're hoping or the hope is that your recovery that you've done to that point will show up and help you navigate that in a different way Mm -hmm. that you can have a corrective experience, but there's no guarantees when you, when you dive into that. Right. And, you know, and that's where I had Bobby on the wall kind of talking me through that. There were two people on the ground doing, working the harness and doing all of that kind of stuff. Right. We don't do this. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there by myself and do that. 
right? Like that would be, I, I would end up splatted on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we do it with consultation. We do it with people who know what we're doing. We do it with a plan. We do it with a purpose, right? But yeah, then that time comes in which you got to jump. Mm-hmm. And you do it to bring part of yourself alive again, right? Because you're missing something, right? We've talked before about how Brene Brown talks about how we are wired for connection. And maybe for a time period, maybe for a long time period, um, it was necessary to disconnect from Mm -hmm. that need in order to get our need to be stable and our need to be healthy in order, right? But now it's time to plug back into that need and let that become alive again. Because letting that need be too dead is not healthy. Right. Yeah. Or dead for too long. I guess you can't be too dead. (laughs) (laughs) You're either dead or not dead, right? right? (laughs) But we can't just leave that on pause forever. Right. Without losing something else that we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think those are great stories about that avoidance piece and that Mm -hmm. free fall, right? Mm -hmm. That happens. You know, because even even when we do it intentionally, Mm -hmm. like you're going to grasp at things, you're right. Go, right? You're going to want to be able to have some mm-hmm. control. You're going to feel sore, right? you know, whether that's emotionally or whatever it is. Yeah. But as you dig into this, you're going to have all right. of those things. And for many people who are looking at maybe doing this intensive or getting to a place where they're going to be bringing relationships back or entering dating, um, their experiences have been more like my experience at the Grand Canyon, right? And that was kind of their experience in active addiction, in which they think they're doing one thing and all of a sudden they've fallen mm-hmm. off the cliff and they're just, mm-hmm. you know, head over feet falling down, hoping that, you know, they land. Um, and that's that experience. So, yes, this is also a fall, but it's mindful, it's intentional, mm-hmm. it's with people who have your back. It's a different kind of fall that you're allowing yourself, but there's still a fall involved in that, right? There's still some things that are out of your control. Yeah. So Jonathan, as like, as people re-engage in dating, what kind of support system do they need in order to make sure that we have, you know, people that have our back, right? In order yeah. to make sure that things are, things we can stay somewhat stable. Yeah. The, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I think of like this council of care or council of support and, um, we'd mentioned earlier in the episode, or maybe this is when we recorded for Thanks for Sharing. It's all blending together now. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get people that are really fearful for you taking mm. this dive again. And I do think it's important to have voices there that will say, stop, think, use caution. Are you sure about this? Um, but I also think relationships with other people are an adventure and we need people who are willing to adventure with us. Mm. Um, I think we need support that can say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look for you. Why don't you go and try that out? And if you make a mess, we can figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, that's one of the most important hallmarks of a healthy, stable recovery is there is a willingness to make some mistakes and to get messy. Um, because the goal of recovery is not to never fall again. It's to get up more effectively and to get up stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that piece of support, uh, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's other people in recovery, whether it's other friends that um, know what this undertaking of dating means for you and they're willing to take on that spirit of adventure with you um, so that it doesn't feel like, I, I think for a lot of clients I see when they get back into dating, most of their recovery support is like, 
I don't know. I don't think you're ready because these people know your dark side in and out and Mm -hmm. nobody's ever a hundred percent ready for it. But we need someone like a Bobby up at the top of the den. It's like, Oh, you can turn around and you can jump (laughs) like a starfish. (laughs) You'll be fine. Um, And you can grab the harness if you want. Right. It's not going to do anything, but if it makes you feel better, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's important uh, as in all aspects of recovery um, to have enough people um, or the right kind of people that we're telling our whole story to. So we're not doing this in isolation and it doesn't become our most important relationship doesn't become this person that we've been on four dates with because we've been dating them romantically, but we have other friendships and support people who are, who can remain solid relationships that we don't replace mm-hmm. with the romantic relationship. Right. I mean, you bring up a really good point. I think that a lot of times, particularly, I mean, I don't know, but for the women that I work with, they, we, we lose ourselves in relationships, yeah. right? And and so one of the tendencies I think that we have, or the fears that we have about getting back into dating is, wait, I just spent all this time developing this support circle, and now I'm just going to abandon it and go back to a relationship, mm-hmm. right? And and that's a big fear I think a lot mm-hmm. of people have is like getting lost again yeah. in, that, in those relationships. Um, relationships, I think, tend to bring up a lot of those pieces of recovery or pieces of our stories that we haven't worked on because we haven't been in relationships. Um, what are some of the things as you guys have had clients that re-engage in relationships, what are some of those issues that come up for them that maybe they hadn't dealt with before? Um, I think there's aspects of mom and dad issues that especially when a relationship feels good and it feels like something that you're excited about, you're going to have a lot of parent issues Mm -hmm. come up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think most commonly what I see in clients is I've never seen a relationship work at this level. And so they're completely lost as to what to do and to what the, what this means. And there may be some of that tendency to get it back to chaos or get it back to dysregulated mm-hmm. because they did see a lot of that. Um, and I, I think issues oh. around how we were parented and early experiences around sex and dating are going to come up too that... Um, there's facets of that that I, I just think unless you're out dating and actively working on relationships that way, you're not readily going to come mm-hmm. across that. Well, and I think going back to the mom and dad issues, um, you know, you might, what that might look like is you might um, get into relationships in which it feels really good for somebody to take care of you in a way mm-hmm. that you needed as a kid but did not get or for you to take care of somebody in the way that you needed but didn't get, right? Instead of getting two functional, mature adults who can take care of themselves better or are creating a relationship, mm-hmm. right? That's that's new t- charted territory for a lot of clients. Like, they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it's kind of replicating some of those dynamics of either I'm powerful and you're not or you're powerful and I'm not, and how do we share power, right? So that it's not one person has it and somebody doesn't, or then then we trade off, right? It's not that kind of dynamic. Um, I think the other thing that we start to find are the codependent issues mm-hmm. um, that start to come back up. And how do we tackle the codependency, right? How do I speak for myself and advocate for myself and say this is what I like or this is what I want to do versus what do you want to do? And that makes me uncomfortable, but yeah, let's go try do that. Right. And how do we, how do we look for and express what we like and what we desire 
and what we want and how do I make room for somebody else to do the same? Yeah, I hadn't really thought about like parent issues that come up. Um, but of course they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we recreate those uh, mm-hmm. those relationships yeah. that we've seen. Well, those are our past. original templates, right? Right. That we are always trying to make them work, and and we can do a lot of work around them, but we don't ever. I don't think we ever completely smash them, right? They're there. Um, and Ken Adams will talk about <laughs> how um, your first love is your mom or your dad. And the successful conclusion of that first love is the parents celebrating your emancipation and you going out into relationships. I have yet to meet any of my addicted clients whose parents could do that Mm -hmm. or were aware that that was happening. Um, And so kind of those unresolved issues around your first love, they are going to come up and they're going to be really present as you move into the potential for new love. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think other things, you know, people getting in your space, in your real close, intimate space, it, uh, we find all sorts of things that get triggered at that place mm-hmm. where maybe before, you know, you had a couple of drinks to manage that and now you're trying to do that sober. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe alcohol wasn't ever um, an addiction for you, but you find that you can't do that sober anyway, right? That that, that level of closeness in your physical space brings up a lot of trauma issues or family of origin issues or just you know a lot of stuff like that that before you kind of numbed that out or you use sex to not really think about that or mm-hmm. the, you know the intensity <clears throat> of the flirting talk or the sexual talk kind of made you less aware of that yeah <clears throat> yeah so As we have put together this intensive for people uh, to attend who are looking at getting back into dating, what what kind of background do they need? Where do they need to be at in their recovery, do you think, in order to really successfully engage um, at the intensive? Yeah. Uh, Number one, I think there needs to be enough stable sobriety that getting into issues around dating isn't going to tank you emotionally. Like you need to be able to regulate enough because we we will be in a room full of adults who have adult dating relationships so we will talk about sex so if you're really triggered by talk about healthy sex um, this probably isn't for you Um, or if you can't manage those triggers um, I I think people also need to be in that place where they feel the hunger for the relationship but it's not the I've got to be in a relationship or I'm going to die it's more of that I really want something that I'm excited to be a part of and I'm willing to dive deep and work hard for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think there's probably also people who maybe, you know, their sponsor or some of their support people in their recovery are saying, hey, when's this going to start coming back online, right? Or mm-hmm. have, to, have you thought about this? And they're more comfortable not thinking about that. <laughs> but it's been said enough that it's there in their head, right? Mm-hmm. They're open to it, right? They're not going to come and really... Um, interrupt the process because they're that avoidant um, but they're uncomfortable with the idea of it but and open to it they'd also be good candidates yeah great and what are you the what are the attendees going to walk away with what's so, their end result we're looking for yeah so they'll walk away with a solid boundary plan and a solid dating plan for recovery those are kind of the big things uh-huh. um some awareness around the family of origin issues Mm -hmm. so that again like I said we're not necessarily I don't know that we can smash those templates but we have that awareness so that they don't 
um, recreate themselves before we're aware of that. Or when you bump into it in your dating relationships, you kind of know what that is. Right, right. Um, My hope is that people will walk away with a more solid sense of who they are and what they want in their Uh relationships. Because I think that's where healthy relationships start is a really well-defined sense of me. Yes. um, And a desire to really protect that. Um, to guard that fiercely, not at the exclusion of others, um, but in a way that invites others to be a part. Who also that. know themselves. Yeah. 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 I would also say, just add that I know um, it's messy. Like relationships mm-hmm. are messy, mm-hmm. you know? And so getting into something like this, I think a lot of times we feel like we've had so much therapy and we have all this recovery and we should just easily slide into a relationship and it yeah. should be perfect Mm -hmm. right the first time Mm -hmm. out the gate we'll also all walk away with the ability to you know stand back up Mm -hmm. right like engage Mm -hmm. willingness to engage in the messiness Mm -hmm. yes and knowing that it might it it might mean a lot of different things we're going to take some missteps Mm -hmm. we're going to do some things that we regret we're going to you know engage in some dating that maybe wasn't healthy we're going to slide into a codependent relationship Mm -hmm. and wake up three days later and be like Mm -hmm. oh no i'm in a codependent relationship Mm -hmm. what do i do right it's only been three days it's only been three days (laughs) (laughs) well and and i think there's a difference between messiness and the chaos that accompanies like toxic relationships right right and so we can know how to identify both of those and get out but to tolerate like you were saying to tolerate the messiness And know that that is part of healthy relationships. You know, like I've been married 24 years. It's not like, I mean, as you were saying that, I'm like, our relationship isn't sterile. Right. Right. In which there's no mess because it's so sterile. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Who wants a sterile relationship? Right. Exactly. (laughs) So just knowing and being comfortable with the fact that relationships are messy. Yes. And there's going to be things that you regret doing or things that you have to apologize for Mm -hmm. and learning to be okay with that. If you're not running into that in your dating relationships, you're not really in it. Right. Or they're not really in it, right? Somebody's not showing up if you're not actually sometimes having some conflict or stepping on toes and bumping heads. Like, Mm -hmm. that happens in close space. Yeah. 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 And I think we miss that a lot of times. We forget that. Or mm-hmm. we've been in toxic relationships, mm-hmm. and so we forget that. Real or we have a fantasy of right. what healthy relationships are, right. which doesn't fit into reality. Right. Yeah. That we never argue. Yeah. Or that we never bump heads. We're soulmates. Well, right. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Other right. than there's messiness in that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. For this. Yeah. 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 It's going to be fun. I know. It's going to be really fun. And we've already talked to a handful of people, which yeah. is really mm-hmm. exciting. And... and and so just to clarify, this is for males, females, straight, um, LGBTQ, um, however you're identifying, right? But you're looking, you need to be single, mm-hmm. right? That That's a criteria. You need to, like John was saying, have some um, traction in recovery so that we're not... Um, unwinding you to a level that you can't manage right um and this is for multiple kinds of addictions right you could be a recovering sex addict alcoholic drug addict any of the addictions multiple of the addictions and partners you could be a partner who is now single and really scared for legitimate reasons to get back into dating Mm -hmm. um yeah we're looking for a lot of different things and i think it'll be a very healing weekend for people to come together and unpack this stuff have other people witness validate and hold that Mm -hmm. and leave you walking away more empowered than when you got there 
Yeah. So, it's coming up in June, June 21st through 24th. Um, it's in Midway, Utah. Beautiful mountain resort yes. here. Uh, you can find out more information on the website, One Layer Deeper. So, that's O-N-E, like one layer deeper.com. And uh, schedule a time where you can call and visit with one of the three of us and find out if this is a good match for you. Right. Yeah, yeah we would love to have you. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. I'm super excited to enter this uh, new venture with Jackie and John, the Thanks for Sharing podcast and Healing Paths. Um, I hope that you will join us. If this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something that is right up your alley, if you're ready to get back on that dating, if you're ready to get back in that dating saddle and, and try to take a go at relationships, this will be an awesome experience, both um, all three of us are going to be part of the teaching team and uh, really have an amazing weekend. So again, you can find that information on One Layer Deeper, O-N-E, LayerDeeper.com and schedule an appointment to talk with one of us. As we end today, I just want you to remember that you are worth recovery, 100% worth recovery. And you're worth the whatever le- level I can't talk today, whatever level of recovery you're willing to pay the price for. Recovery, intimacy disorder recovery, sex addiction recovery is not intended for you to live alone the rest of your life. That's not the purpose. The whole purpose of this is to learn to build better relationships. And so it means you need to take that part of your life off of pause and to really engage in other relationships. You are worth that. You're worth that sacrifice. You're worth that effort. If you don't believe that now, just trust me because I believe that. So I hope you'll join us for um, Dating in Recovery. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.